0: It's summertime, and I love summertime. It's probably my favorite season of the year. And one thing my wife and I have done for years now is have a summer garden. Any summer gardeners in the house? Yeah? Uh, how many of you are not very good at it, like me? Yeah. Uh, it's like you kind of get it. So it's, it's like gardening is more art than it is um, luck. I don't know. She's <laughs> like, you got to know what you're doing. It's way more than just go to Lowe's. You buy the baby tomato plant. You shove it in the dirt. And like next Thursday, you have BLTs. Like that does not happen. It doesn't. And there's a lot of things you got to do. There's things you got to don't do. There's things you got to know. Nature has to cooperate. Like it's a big deal, this gardening thing. Um, but what I've learned is that there are tricks to the whole, the whole process. Uh, this year has been a pretty good season for us. We've had some good, good tomatoes. Man, of tomatoes. I man. you get those ones at the grocery store that are like gray. They're not even red. It's like, why are you selling me this? But then when you get those fresh ones off the vine, you're like, yeah, the sun made this. <laughs> I want to eat this. We've had a good season, but we've had uh, some bad ones. A couple years back, uh, we were having a hard time with these pepper plants, and they just, they wouldn't grow. We just couldn't get them to grow. And so we'd gone to a, a garden, plant, nursery place, and we're looking for, I don't know what, like magic or uh, some fertilizer. We were looking for something. So my wife and I were standing in the aisle, and we were talking about, you know, the pepper plants, and out of nowhere, this, this old fella just just materialized, and he was like, heard you got problems with your pepper plants. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> yes, you're creepy, and he just starts talking to me like, yeah, well, you know what it sounds like. Based on what you said, it sounds like you got you a sulfur and phosphate deficiency. I'm like, say, well, huh, hmm? Okay, cool. He goes, well, this is what you need. It's a common problem in this area. It's a common problem. Sulfur, phosphate, you need that. Is what you need to do. Go home, get you a book of paper matches. You tear off the paper. You take the whole book of matches, and you stick the heads head down into the dirt, and as you water it, you'll get what it needs, for it and it'll grow. I'm like, and then, like a ninja, he was gone, helping somebody else. I was like, I, look, it sounded so believable, I didn't even Google it. Like, I mean, this sounds, this dude has grown some peppers and so I did it. I went home, and you know what? We, we had peppers. It was amazing. It's, it, 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 it's like, duh, but isn't it amazing that when you give a plant what it needs, it will produce fruit? Gardening takes so much knowledge, and it takes practice, and it takes deliberateness, and you know, when you go to the store and you grab that bag of apples or the sack of potatoes, you get the dry food section, you get the beans and the rice, like we take it for granted, don't we? We're like, oh, they don't have my favorite apples. You know, the apple farmer's like, oh yeah, right, really? Did you hear about the new pest that was killing all your favorite apples? When you pick up a bag of fruits or vegetables, any produce, like you're talking about hours and hours of labor and generations of learning, right? Agriculture, growing things, is essential to who we are and how we survive. But in our modern world, we don't think about it probably as often as we should. Today we'll be wrapping up what has been a great teaching series. Uh, We've called it I Am. And it's a study through the book of John, the gospel of John, which is a biography of the last about three and a half years of Jesus' ministry for the most part. And we've got uh, these statements that Jesus makes all throughout John. Uh, Seven different times he makes a statement that begins with the words I Am. And so I want to review those real quick since this is the last week of that series. It's seven weeks long, so it's a lot to remember. Maybe you missed one or two. Um, Let's remember them. So in week one... Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. We saw him do this amazing miracle. He had uh, had fed thousands of people with just a little boy's lunch by multiplying the food. But in that whole situation, as he got to talking to his disciples, basically he told them, listen, I can do so much more than feed you physically. I can feed you spiritually. And we talked about Jesus being the, the bread of our spiritual life, and he provides us with this spiritual sustenance. In the second week, he said, I am the light of the world, And anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness. And that's real appealing to me because I am heartbroken and actually sick and tired of the world we live in, right? You watch the news, you hear about a thing, a shooting, a a robbery, or just bad people, and you're just like, (sighs) What's going on? And Jesus said, I came to fix that. That's darkness. I came to shine light in that. Anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness. In the third week, we looked at where he said, I am the gate for the sheep. This was actually a two-part lesson because in John chapter 10, he gave us this long metaphor about, uh, about shepherding, and, and he talks about how God is like a shepherd. And so he first says, God, that Jesus, he says, I am the gate for the sheep, a gate or a door provides both access to good things and let things in. It also provides protection and keeps bad things out. And in chapter 10, we learned that there is a thief who is trying to kill and steal and destroy. But he said, I came so that you might have life, abundant life. And so I am the gate. And then in that same chapter, the next week, we were at Hugh Park because we have been moving around a little bit. We were set up at the park and we said, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd We talked about God's ability to provide for us and how that image of a shepherd is so strong. Our first week at First Baptist was week five, okay? That one was the week where Jesus does this miracle. He raises Lazarus from the dead and he said, I am the resurrection and the life. And we really got into some talk about heaven and what happens after we die. And this, this idea that Jesus provides us resurrection, not just good things in this world, but eternal life, it's a beautiful thing. It's like one of the core promises of Christianity. And then in the last week, we were at week six, and Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And we talked a lot about Jesus being the way, but also about if you know the way, you should tell somebody and so we, we really just talk I mean let's, let's tell people about this path back to God and so it's really been a good study. Um, I've really enjoyed it uh, last week jesus's uh, statement took place while he was getting prepared to be crucified. One thing that I've really enjoyed about this series is it also takes us through the narrative of what Jesus' life is doing, where he was, had he gone up to Galilee, back down to Jerusalem, he had gone out to another area, come back to Jerusalem. And when he came back to Jerusalem, he began to prepare for the final act of his ministry, which was to give his life and then raise from the dead. But before he did that, he met with all his disciples, and he gets uh, at least the closest uh, 12 disciples, and he meets with them. They have a meal together, and last week, we started that meal. And when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, he's really preparing them for this moment, like, I'm about to go away. I'm gonna go be with the Father, and I'm gonna come back and get you, but we need to tell people about that. This week, we kind of continue. It literally picks up where it left off last week. He continues this conversation with these guys in this, in this upper room before he's arrested, and we look at our final I Am statement. So if you've got a Bible today, go ahead and grab it. We're going to be in John chapter 15. Uh, We've got some Bibles underneath the seats there if you want to grab it and look. John chapter 15. You can follow along on the screen as well. And we're going to pick up right where we left off last week as Jesus hops into an agricultural metaphor. Jesus is good for metaphors and especially agriculture. It doesn't, make, it doesn't surprise me at all that he would talk about something like farming. Uh, the three biggest occupations in this region would have been fishing, shepherding of some kind, and farming. And so when he speaks about farming, the people listening really would have gotten that. They grew a lot of their own food, they had seen the farms, they probably worked on a farm. Uh, or in a field, and as Jesus kicks off in chapter 15, verse one today, he's gonna lead off with today's I am statement, so make sure you pay attention as we get into it. John chapter 15, starting at verse one, let's go. Jesus says, I am the true vine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean, Because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself, it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So, as Jesus is preparing his disciples for him uh, to die and then raise from the dead and go back to heaven, he's letting them know, but he's got this theme that he just keeps on hitting on here. It's over and over and over, and it even continues in the next few verses. He says, Remain in me. Remain in me, blah, 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 blah. Remain in me, yada, 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 remain in me. It's like this chorus, this refrain to this story he's telling. I've had experiences with people uh, that really bonded me with them quickly. You ever go on a road trip with a stranger? Like that sounds like a weird thing, but someone that you didn't know very well, but you hopped in a car and you just had to go somewhere far away. Maybe you did it for work, maybe you did it in school. And by the time you get back, you're like, man, we've been through a lot together. Been the best 48 hours of my life. (laughs) Uh, A couple years ago, uh, for several years, I used to travel up with a group of people from uh, a Bible college up in Elizabeth City that I I went to. And we'd go up to uh, Queens, New York, and we would be a part of this youth rally that was there. And uh, I would speak, and uh, my brother had a band, and he would lead worship, and there'd be some other people that would come and do some workshops. And we'd go up there and work with some students up there. And so we'd hop in a car once a year, and we would just drive up there. And if you've ever driven in a 15-passenger van any amount of time, you know that it's a special experience. (laughs) But uh, driving all the way to New York City with a van full of full-grown adults uh, is a whole different experience. But it's really cool because we would get up there and, and getting in the van, a lot of times I would know maybe my brother and one other person, but I wouldn't really be close to other people. But by the time we get back, I'm like, man, We had a good time up there. You got inside jokes. You're laughing about stuff. You're doing things that you wouldn't do in public in front of other people that you now do in front of them, because we've been in a van for 15 hours, let's be honest, and somebody had a chili dog, you know, and so it's, it's, you share these experiences, and this happens a lot, but what what I found is, um, you bond very quickly, but often, I don't keep those relationships. They don't stay strong. It doesn't make me a jerk, and it doesn't make you a jerk. It just means we got a lot of relationships to maintain, and we were already not friends, and so it's easy to not stay close. And it's probably happened with you with friends from high school or college or a former coworker. You worked eight hours a day with them every day for 10 years, and then the last day of work was the last time you saw them. And That was a decade ago. Facebook is good for that, right, catching up. The thing is, we can build relationships with people very quickly if we have a shared experience, but we have to work hard to maintain that relationship. And what I hear Jesus saying to his disciples here is like, look guys, we've been through a lot together. In the last three, three and a half years. Man, remember when this happened? Remember when that happened? We've been through a lot together. But everything's about to change. Remain in me. Remain in me. A lot of us have had spiritual mountaintop experiences. I mean, it was a really good day at church or you went to a retreat or a camp or you just had a personal moment while you were reading the Bible or listening to a radio sermon or a song. And you just had this moment. It was like, yeah, and then it fizzles out. Why? Jesus says, remain in me. Don't let that fly by. Don't forget about it like it doesn't matter. And so he says, I am the vine. I am the true vine. I want to dig into that statement a little bit. I am the vine because that's our I am statement for our, the week. Uh, I am the vine. The vine is a common symbol that you would see a lot in, in Israel. It was kind of a national symbol like we have the bald eagle. Uh, Israel used a vine a lot of times and so uh, it's mentioned a lot in the Old Testament. Uh, There's several times in history from what I've read that like, their currency, their money would have like a vine engraved on it. It's kind of a, a thing that let them know it was official currency. Uh, in Jesus' time, uh, the temple that they would have gone to worship at in Jerusalem, there was a big golden vine above the door of the Holy of Holies, which is like the innermost sanctuary of that temple. The vine is a really important thing. Jesus had just been sharing this meal with his followers, and every week we do communion, and we'll do it here at the end of the service today, Uh, but as Jesus kind of initiated this first communion meal, you remember what he said about a vine? He breaks the bread, and he passes it around, he says, this is my body, it's broken for you, and then he takes the glass of wine, and he says, this is the fruit of the vine. And it's poured out like it represents my blood. It's a new covenant. And so he had just referred to the vine. Vines were huge. We're talking about grapevines here, not those annoying kind in your yard that you like cannot get them to quit eating your pine trees. Like I'm talking about these beautiful grapevines that produce something very useful. And wine is like the number one drink in this area outside of like maybe water. And so everyone understood vines. And so Jesus says I am the true vine. Vines need tending like my pepper plants, you know, that needed apparently a book of matches in the dirt. Uh, vines need tending, and there were some tricks to, to the trade. Uh, and so Jesus mentions two of them already. He says, you know, if a vine's not being productive, what did the, the vine keeper do? He'd cut it off. Why? It's, it's wasting energy. Like, there's just energy going to these leaves, and it's just not producing grapes. So you cut it off. And if a vine is being productive, or a branch is being productive, well, what would you do? He would prune it. I've got some tomato plants right now that are about this tall and have, like, of the tomatoes, I think they should have on them. And I think it's because there's a lot of these big, like, what do you call them, branches, vines, shoots, whatever tomato tree branches are called. And we were talking the other day, me and my wife, like, we should just snip those off because it would allow more energy to go to the actual tomato. For a tomato plant to be doing its job, it needs to produce, fill in the blank, tomatoes. And for a vine, a grapevine to do its job, it needs to produce what? Grapes. And so Jesus says, I want you to know something. There is a fruit that I want you to produce. I am the vine. My father is the gardener. And then Jesus continues the metaphor in verse five because he wants to make sure that everybody knows their role. In verse five, he says it again. I am the vine. You are the branches. And if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. Here, in case they missed it or in case you missed it or in case I missed it, Jesus wants to clarify. Everyone has a role. I am the vine. My father is the gardener. You are the branches. What's the branch's job in the vine? To produce fruit. To produce fruit. Jesus' goal for his followers is that we would bear fruit. So what does that mean? What does that mean? I actually started a list this week, and I was writing in all the things like, what is a fruitful believer look like was a fruitful Christian. My, my list got pretty long and, and I thought it was a good list, but then I just got to reading in this commentary uh, and this Dr. Mark Moore, he's one of my favorite Bible scholars, he, he put it in a much more concise way that I want to share with you today. Uh, listen to what he says as he defines in his commentary on this passage uh, what it means to bear fruit. He says, by clinging to Christ, we will bear fruit. It is not automatic, but It is inevitable. That is to say, although it will require effort on our part, there is no question that all true disciples, the word disciple means a learner or a follower of Jesus, all true disciples are fruitful. Just as branches connected to a vine produce grapes, so a Christian connected to Jesus bears fruit. And listen to this short list he gives. It's a pretty good list, though. This is the fruit. The fruit includes such things as Christian character, righteous living and deeds of kindness, Converts and praises offered up to God. Christian character, righteous living, deeds of kindness, righteous living and deeds of kindness, converts and praises offered to God. In other words, when we're connected to the vine, when we remain in Jesus, our life will look drastically different than it did when we were plugging into other things it will reflect something different and the world will know something different because of how we act. I wanna break these down. I wanna look at these different um, categories, the four categories that Dr. Moore gives because um, I think they're great. And I wanna see what it would look like if our church, if our family, uh, even if you're here for the first time and you're like, what, what is it to be a Christian? What is it to be in church? This is it right here. What would it be like if we lived like this? First one is this, Christian character. Christian character. The Apostle Paul says that the fruit of being in God's spirit is love joy, peace, forbearance, which means patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is what it looks like to be completely full of what God wants us. This is actually called the fruit of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. If a person is connected to the vine, what will flow out of their life? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control all the time. Here's the thing. You don't have to be the most loving person in the world. You might struggle with patience, but you're gonna find yourself, as you're connected to the vine, going, I need to work on that. And you're gonna find yourself actively working on that. And you're gonna find the areas that you're weak that you'll begin to surround yourself with people who are stronger in that area. That's the fruit that comes from a life that is connected to the vine. Christian character. We could talk a lot more about that. That could probably be a whole another sermon. Uh, but look at the second category, righteous living, righteous living. Uh, this is something that does not come naturally to us, righteous living. We tend to be drawn towards the unrighteous. Maybe I'm just speaking for myself, but if anybody else in the room is feeling me, you can do this right here, that sometimes we tend to go towards darkness. We go towards anger and jealousy and, and sinfulness and immorality and, and lust and greed, and these things are like, this is not righteous. It doesn't take a really intelligent person to figure that out. But what's the alternative? When we stay connected to the vine, when we remain in him, he begins to fill us with not only an awareness of righteousness, but the ability to achieve that. And this is what's crazy, a hunger for it. And I've sat across the table from a many a guy, I do a lot of guys where we just, you know, one-on-one mentoring type stuff, and they just, they just say, I just want that. I want to be a good dad. I want to be a good person. I want to get rid of this addiction. I want to do this. I want to do that. Why? Wow. It's a hunger for righteousness that comes when we start filling ourselves with the nutrients that come from being in the vine, which is Jesus. So, uh, godly character, righteousness. Th- the third one is this, uh, converts, making converts. In the modern world we live in, that word converts is kind of a dirty word. Like, Christians don't go, hey, we need to make converts because, like, I think too many Maybe well-meaning, or maybe complete crazy people who claim Jesus have gone around with the idea that we make converts at all costs, including being extremely terrible, unloving people, right? And we stand on street corners, and we we beat people with Bibles, and we yell through megaphones, and that kind of stuff. But this word "convert" is a great word. Like, I mean, you, I mean, when you, <laughs> you ever had a convertible car? Like, it's beautiful, right? It's those kind of things. Like, you can change into something good. You can change it to something that's noble, something that you want to be a part of. And one of the things that we're called to do is really what the whole point of last week's lesson was, was that when we know about the way of Jesus, when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me, it should be a big goal of ours to tell people about that. And say, man, I just want you to know about that. I'm not trying to put you down. I'm not trying to kill your heritage. I'm not trying to even tell you that you're a bad person. Because guess what? I'm a bad person, too. <laughs> But man, because of the vine, because of Jesus, my life has been changed. I've developed this godly character. I've developed this hunger for righteousness. I've had been given forgiveness and grace. I want you to know about this. And so that's what this idea of converts is, the idea that when we are in Christ, what is some of the fruit that comes out of our life? Other people decide they want to follow Jesus too. And We don't focus so much about the part where Jesus says, if you don't produce fruit, we're going to cut your vine off. Well, instead we say, you know what? You can be grafted into the branch. You can be a part of this. I want you to be a part of it. Come learn with me. Let me just tell you what God's done in my life. That's what Converse is about. Converse is about. And, and finally, Dr. Moore says the fourth thing. The, being, uh, the, the fruit of being connected to Jesus is praises offered to God. We're here for like an hour and 15 minutes on Sunday morning, and like over half of that time we spend singing songs. Why do we do that? I, I, I know uh, sometimes I'm like, I sure am glad we got a good band. Whew. I mean, maybe I've been, been in church services where it's like, man, we we gonna do one more song? All right, but you know what? That's not what bringing praises to God is about. It's not about like I want it to sound good and feel good. It's more like this, it's more like this. I know that I can relate to most of the people in the room with this story. What if someone called you and offered to pay off your student loans? No strings attached. Some of you are in like your 40s and 50s and you're still like, oh, that'll still be great, you know? it would still be great. Some of you are getting into college right now and you're looking at the big price tag. What if someone offered to pay off this huge debt for me or pay off your mortgage or pay off your kid's student loans for you? What would you do? I mean, probably a lot of things. Jump up and down, act like a little child. But one thing you probably would do is say, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You'd write a letter, you send them a fruit basket and don't even know what kind of fruit they like. Maybe they they, they want vegetables, you send them a vegetable basket, like whatever. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. This idea of saying thank you, it's not about doing it perfectly. It's about doing it intentionally. I really, really appreciate this. And when we offer praise and worship to God, that's what that is. Some of the most heartfelt worship I have ever heard has come from people who couldn't carry a tune in a bucket but were brokenhearted and knew that God's grace was good and we're just going, thank you. You know what, that's the fruit. That's the fruit of being connected to the vine because we realize, man, I gotta just say thank you. And I'm not just saying singing songs. Like, that's a way to praise. But you praise God by the way that you raise your kids. You praise God by the way that you... Conduct yourself at work. You praise God by the way that you spend your money. You praise God by the way that you wake up and the way that you go to sleep and the way that you view a sunrise and stand by the ocean. All of these things are areas where we can just simply say, God, I want to give you praise and glory. Uh, Incidentally, I believe that bringing glory to God is the sole purpose of mankind. I think that's why we were created in the first place. And that's why if you're connected to the vine, you get to fulfill your purpose, bringing glory to God. What does it mean to bear fruit? I think part of it is giving worship. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15 says this Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer a sacrifice of praise. I like that it's called a sacrifice of praise. Like, sometimes it shouldn't be easy, you know? Like, anyone ever tell you thank you, but you're like, I'm not sure you really meant that. <laughs> but there's often times where you're just like, thank you. Sacrifice of praise. And then this last thing. Sacrifice of praise is the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. That word fruit is powerful there. It just comes out. It comes out. When a plant is properly cared for and, and it gets the nutrients that it needs, it just can't help but produce fruit. Your tomato bush at home is just dying to produce fruit, but it just might need you to feed it something different or prune it or water it more. It's it's what it was created for, and that's what we were created for, to produce this fruit. And the fruit that we get are character change and and morality shift and righteousness and seeking to be with God and praising him. And this is what it means to be a fruitful follower of Jesus. And so I want to finish up Jesus' little talk here with his guys. We're going to look at verse six in chapter 15. Back to John, chapter 15. He says this, he says, if you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that's thrown away. It withers. Such branches are picked up and they're thrown into the fire and they're burned. I could talk for another half hour about this concept. The idea that if we aren't connected to the vine, it's not good for us. In fact, it will kill us spiritually. And there's a lot of talk that we could have about the reality that there is punishment for sin. There really is. But I think the message, and that's a clear message, and I don't want to underemphasize that, but I think the message that Jesus would want you to hear right now, because you, you and me, we're the guys who got up early on Sunday. We came to church like we want to at least try, right? I think the message that he wants us to hear is you can be connected to the vine. Remain in me. Don't, 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 don't run off Don't forget the relationship. Don't lose touch because when that happens, the fruit shrivels up and dies and the branch is eventually useless and the gardener has to come in and say, yeah, I'm sorry, man. But here's the beautiful thing that Jesus gives us the opportunity to be revitalized, to be lifted back up and to grow fruit. I have myself come from places where I was dry. I was not producing the fruit I needed to produce. But by pouring Jesus in, by understanding his good word, by reading his Bible, by surrounding myself with people who could just tell me this stuff, by praying and praying and praying, it's like a little spark begins to to burn again, and it starts to spread through you, and you can begin again to grow. And so, It might be where you are right now. You might be like, I don't know. I don't know. I just came to church. I don't even know why I came. Remain in him. And if you're not in him, I want to tell you something. You can get in him. The invitation is open. Everybody is invited to be a part of that vine to produce fruit for him. You know, just like the old fellow that we met at the garden center, the uh, plant nursery, he stepped in to give a few pointers um, to help us grow our, our pepper plant. And, and I want to step in here, and I want to let you know that you can live a life that's connected to the vine. And, and just like the guy told me to put some matches in the dirt, I want to tell you, here's a, here's a great thing for you. Just begin to explore Pour Jesus in. Pour Jesus in. And that might seem really abstract to you if you're coming from a different place and you're like, I don't even know what that means. And so what does that mean? That means, well, come listen to sermons. You can come here every single week. I say all the time, just come back one more time. We're starting a brand new teaching series next week through the life of Moses, one of the most famous characters in all of history. Come come learn about that and see how that connects to you today. Um, You can get lots and lots and lots of teaching on on podcasts and on YouTube and stuff like that. Just dig in. Find some time in your free time. We have a podcast, too. You can go back and listen uh, to old messages that we've done. Uh, Get into the Bible. If you don't know how to read the Bible, um, that's okay. Flag me down. I'd love to pair you with somebody and take some time so someone could show you how to open a Bible and find it. Because... Those are the words of God, and they can nourish us, and that's how you stay connected. That's how you remain in him. Spend time praying to God, telling him, thank you, thank you, thank you, or maybe telling him, God, I'm pretty upset at you right now, but I, I wanna know you. He honors that. He just wants to know you. He just wants to have a relationship with you, and he wants you to remain in him, and we can produce fruit that will grow the kingdom. It will shine light in dark places that will make this world a place It gives glory to God. Uh, I want to wrap up by looking at verse 7. Jesus has some final thoughts on the vine, and and he makes us this promise. Let's look at verse 7. He says, if you remain in me, and my words remain in you, listen to this, ask whatever you wish, it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Guys, let's be branches that stay connected to the vine. Let's do it corporately as a church, constantly keeping ourselves, hey, are we heading the right direction as a, as a church? Are we staying focused on letting people know about Jesus? Are we producing fruit in this world that shines light in dark places? Like, as a church, but not just as a church. We actually don't, you don't get a pass. You don't get the, like, the group pass. Like, I came to church, and so I'm, I'm totally connected to the vine. No, you, I want to encourage this individually, myself, and you individually to take time every day to connect to the vine. Wake up and say, Man, have I connected to you, Jesus? Am I reading your word? Am I, am I praying? Am I serving? Am I loving? Am I joyful, patient, kind, good, gentle? Do I have self control? That's a hard one. Every day, Jesus said, I am the vine. You are the branches. And if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. But if we remain in Jesus, he gives us access to more than we could ever ask or imagine. I am the vine. I'd love to pray for us this morning if I could. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for your direction, for your provision, for your love. God, as you, uh, as you give us so much to, to chew on, I mean, we took these last seven statements, um, that you're the bread and the light of the world, and the resurrection of life and all those things, Lord, like we could probably take those seven concepts and keep digging and digging and digging. Um, your word says that if everything about you was written down, the, the libraries of the world wouldn't have enough shelf space to hold the books. You, you've just got so much you can teach us. But Lord, I pray that our, our goal in life is to bring you glory, that we can plug into you and then, and then once we do, we remain in you and that we bear good fruit. I pray for our city right now, Lord. I pray for the corners of our city, the homes, the secret uh, rooms, the schools, the broken families, the kids that are being tossed around in foster care, the elderly people whose families may have forgotten them, or at least they feel that way. I pray for the our government officials here in the city, whether they're police officers or 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 city officials or some type of administrator or something. I pray pray for all of these areas of our city, Lord, that your light will shine, that your grace will preside over a a revival in in hearts and that um, (laughs) that we can be part of it. Thank you for giving us your church and letting us be part of your kingdom. We lift all this up in the name of Jesus. Amen.